fine. Um, bring good food, eat good food, show off whatever food you like, um, and we'll hang out, and it should be really good. So if you guys need any info for that or location, just talk to me or Katie or the guy who's always in the back in the plaid shirt there, Kevin, who's now sitting down, and uh, we can get you all the info you need. Um, it's also on our Facebook page, so... Thank you, guys. Would you, would you do this with me this morning? Can we welcome Pastor Dana, who's going to start our Possess the Land series this morning? And good morning. I promise you we didn't coordinate this dress code here. <laughs> so I want to welcome all of our guests that are here today. I met uh, some new faces, and uh, it's just really uh, a blessing to have you in our service this morning. And uh, we always pray that you would not only feel the love of the people as you walk in, but most importantly, that you would experience the love of God in our service. So thank you for coming and, and being a part. Uh, while Bridget and I are just now recovering from the jet lag of our trip uh, to Thailand, and I wanted to tell you, you know, that many people were praying for us while we were on the trip, Chandler and Kelly and Olgi as well. We had a team of four that actually uh, went to Bangkok uh, a few weeks ago. And it brought such uh, clarity and confirmation, I think, to what God is saying to us personally, but what God is saying to us as a church as well. If you're new here, our mission statement is love, disciple, and send. And this is just something that's been important to the body of this church is that we support missions. In fact, we tithe off your tithe and it goes to missions. And we've supported uh, missions uh, ever since the very beginning uh, of this church. And we've seen churches planted out of this church, believe it or not, even though this has been kind of like a plant as we have transitioned. But it was an exciting time. I have to say that when we went into um, the service there, International Christian Assembly, it's a church of many, many different nationalities. It's a service in English. But we were so touched. They haven't had a pastor for nearly two years. And because of that, what little vision that I shared with them, they just soaked it in. And they just kept asking, when are you coming back? <laughs> so it was just really a blessing to be there. I met people from Iran that uh, were literally saved that came as uh, asylum seekers in Bangkok. There's many there got saved in the church. I met some religious asylum seekers from Pakistan and other uh, South Asian nation countries like that. Uh, there's Africans and Filipinos. I mean, just Americans. It was amazing to see the different people group. And it, it seemed like really a picture of what heaven would be like seeing all of these different nationalities come together in one place and worship the Lord in unity and spirit and truth. And it was just so powerful. We had such an exciting time as we met with the leaders of the church. We shared our vision as well about really becoming a, a sister church and, and it would be, become Banner Bangkok. And we just shared our vision about how we just want to join our heart and vision and our core values together. And we were able to uh, share the core values of our church there with um, their people as well. And they were so excited about that, to know that we're being able to partner together um, in that uh, regard. We went to the campus. It's considered uh, the largest university in the world. Um, over 525,000 students on Ram Kampeng University, right in the heart of Bangkok. It was overwhelming, this massive campus and these students. We had the privilege of meeting a young convert there. Her name was Da that was saved on the campus by an American who was teaching English on the campus, and she was learning English, and they were using the Bible to teach English, and she got saved. And she shared her testimony. We have it on video when Chandler is working on editing a video together. 
And she, I, I thought we're going to have to encourage her on and ask her a bunch of questions when we were shooting uh, the video. And I just let her start talking, and then we couldn't stop her. <laughs> it was it was amazing. She just kept talking about what God had done in her life and her vision for the campus. And we, we shared with her that we want to launch a campus ministry there. She was so excited uh, about us coming. She came to our Sunday morning service uh, as well there. And she's like, when are you coming back? And, and we just saw such a tremendous need. The harvest is so great in this city. I was told that Bangkok is over 15 million people. I had no idea. I mean, it is a huge city. It's one of the most unreached countries in Asia. Only 0.9% of people in Thailand even know Jesus Christ. Less than 1%. The need was just seemed overwhelming, but yet God is doing something so new and fresh in the heart of this city. We we're also able to go to the areas where there uh, is human trafficking and the sex trade and we want to do ministry in that area, and Bridget has such a passion for that, and we were able to visit that area. In fact, while we were there, they, they shut down one of these places that literally had young teenage girls from Laos and Vietnam and Myanmar that they were trafficking in through the city of Bangkok. It's a huge trafficking center, and uh, God just really broke our heart and gave us a burden for this area as well. So it was really just confirming to us, and and I want you to know that this isn't just you sending us, but you're sending us in your heart, but we're partnering together. This is going to be a part of the ministry of Banner Scottsdale as we extend our uh, influence there in ministry. So it was just an exciting time. Thank you for your prayers. There's just uh, so much that uh, took place. And uh, Bridget and I just felt so honored and privileged and as we stood before this group of people, especially in the church there that really is a church that is just wanting vision and leadership. And, and uh, so we're just praying that God's going to help us be able to uh, extend ourselves there as soon as possible. In fact, Chandler is filming this right now so that we can send some videos of our service and the messages to them. So I just want you to do me a favor. We want to welcome International Christian Assembly. I'd like you just to clap and welcome them as he's filming this right now. We're so great to have you here. We want to welcome you to our hearts and our family to International Christian Assembly in this service. And I'd like to um, have you open your Bibles to the book of Joshua because this series that we're going to be presenting this month is a very important series for the church. I'd like you to turn to Joshua chapter 21. I want to speak to you about possessing the promise. Possessing the promise. Beginning with verse number 43 out of Joshua 21 it says, God gave to Israel all of the land that he swore to give to their fathers. And I, I want you to keep in mind, he didn't just give a portion or a piece, but when God fulfills a promise in our life, it says that he gave all of the land that he had promised to them. Hallelujah. And they took possession of it. They literally, it's not just God give it, but when somebody gives you something, you, you got to take possession of it. You got to own it. And a lot of times God is wanting to give us something in our life, but we don't really possess it. We don't own it. And that's what this message this morning is going to be about, is possessing the promise of our life. Because so oftentimes we, we leave the promises kind of laying before us, but we never really take them, possess them, and live them out for whatever reason. And we're going to speak about that. It says he gave them all of the land. 
and they took possession of it. They settled there, and the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. And not one of their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given their enemies into their hands. And not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed, but every promise came to pass. Somebody say amen to that. Every promise came to pass. And that's what I love. I'm reading really the end of the story here, probably thinking, why didn't you start in Joshua chapter 1? It's kind of like you jumped ahead to Joshua chapter 21. But I don't know about you, but a lot of times when I get a book, I'll read the kind of the, the last chapter or the last half of the last chapter because I want to know the ending of the book before I read it because I don't know about you, but I like happy endings. I like good endings, and I don't want to waste my time reading a book that doesn't have a happy ending. I want to feel good when I get to the end of the story. Do you, you understand what I'm saying this morning? And when I look at this, and I'm reading the end of the story here, when they came in, they settled there, and they possessed the land. Many would say that the promises that I feel that God has given me are they seem so distant to me or they seem almost unattainable. I mean, people have been talking about the promises for so long and it just seems like it's, it's taking forever for me to see this promise fulfilled in my life. And I, I can say to you that uh, on, on my perspective and in my view and vision, there's promises and prophetic words that God has spoken to my life and my family and for my future. And I have yet to possess those promises, not that they won't happen or come to pass, but I know that God in his timing is going to allow me to possess the promise. We possessed a promise when we came to this building. I mean, it was a journey. And over seven years ago, the Lord gave Bridget and I a promise and a vision to relocate and, and to come to this part of the city and to see a church erected in this community that we could begin to possess the land. But a lot of times I think we, we forget that there's a process after we get a promise that God allows us to go through before before we latch on and possess that promise. And I think that's where we get tripped up so oftentimes is that, all right, God, you've promised this and I just want it to happen. I thought it would be quick. I thought that promise would, would come to pass much quicker than seven years later of us making this transition uh, to this place. But it's during the last seven years that I've learned some very valuable truths about possessing a promise and understanding that the children of Israel, they had to pass through a wilderness experience where they're tested to really not so that, that God could see what was in their heart because he knew what was in their heart, but God wanted them to see what was in their heart so that they could go through it and possess the promise that he had for them. Rick Joyner, a prophetic voice in, in our generation today, he makes the statement that Every trial that Israel went through in the wilderness, it was a prophetic map of what every believer must go through to get to their promised land. Let me read it again. Every trial they went through in the wilderness was this prophetic map of what every believer must also go through to get to their promised land. And some of you sitting here today are in the midst of a wilderness and you've kind of lost your way, you've lost your perspective, and maybe you think that God has forgotten of what he has spoken about a promise like many of the children of Israel did. And I think one of the first uh, things that begins to happen in our life when we lose our perspective, and I feel like God has shown me this over and over again, is when I start complaining, it's like, when are we going to get there? 
Why is this taking so long? And then I start looking at leaders around me or above me thinking it's their fault or it's, it's this fault of a circumstance. And I kind of start murmuring and complaining as the children of Israel did. And that is a sign, that is a red flag that says you're starting to lose your perspective. But this prophetic map that God, I believe that he lays out to us is important for us to understand Jesus was no exception as he came as a child of promise. He came as a son of God to be salvation for the entire world. But yet the Bible says that after he was baptized in the Jordan River, that the spirit of God led him into the wilderness. And that's interesting to me that Jesus was led into the wilderness and for 40 days he's tested. He's challenged by the enemy. He's tempted by the enemy as he goes through this. And rather than focus on the temptation or the problem, he just focuses on the word of God. He doesn't complain about it, but he basically says to the enemy, this is who I am. This is what the father has promised. And he knew the word of God and he came through that wilderness and testing. And the Bible says that he came out filled with the power of the spirit of God upon his life. And then he began to deliver the promises of the father to the people in his ministry. I think this process is important in possessing the promise. We've learned a lot from the prophetic map uh, that God designed for this church, I think over the last seven years. And, and I have to admit to you, there was times where I thought in my heart that, is this really a prophetic map or is this, it just seems like a pathetic map for me, you know? It's just so hard, you know. I don't understand some of the circumstances and the and the opposition that we're facing. And it was really hard to keep our eyes focused on the Lord at times when we got so attacked. And it just seemed like maybe we were never going to get here. But we're sitting on a promise right now in this church that God gave us over seven years. This this is fulfillment of a promise, Banner Church. Of not just a new location, a new beginning a place that we can call home, but not only that, a place that God is going to bless and give us favor in this community. And then as we act out our mission statement of loving and discipling and sending, God's gonna to continue to send from this place people into the community and the city and even around the world. And that's what we're beginning to see happen in this place. I've never looked at a church and think, well, we have to get to a certain level financially or a certain level with numbers of people or whatever. But I realize that God has called us to move quickly in the power of the spirit that he can provide resources supernaturally. And we don't wait till we're at a certain level before we act out or before we fulfill those promises that God has given us. There's some things that I, there's just a, a few things that I want to share with you that I think is important in this roadmap that he's laid out to us and through the wilderness because some of you here today need to hear this because you're right on the verge of just literally taking hold of a promise and the fulfilling word in your life. You're just, you're so close and yet you're gonna be under attack. The devil's gonna try to distract you and even blind you. But the Lord would say that it's so close that you can reach out and literally grab it. But some of those things are holding us back from possessing the promise that God has for us, our life. What are some of those promises? Promises about the next step, 
that he has for your life, whether it's in a job, career, ministry, promises about providing financially resources that you have lacked in your life. And God has promised that he's going to meet every need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And you're so close. And I think oftentimes the closer we get, the harder it becomes sometimes to literally reach out and just grab what God has for us and to possess it. Number one, sometimes our greatest opposition is from those closest to us. I was thinking about this, that, that Moses, as he's leading the children of Israel through the wilderness, he gets opposition from Aaron and Miriam. I mean, his own family members are opposing him. They're complaining to him. People that you would never expect that would oppose you, opposed him. Joseph was opposed by his brothers and sold into slavery. And we see this, that sometimes our greatest opposition is from those who are closest to us. We would never expect that or never see it coming. And we have to learn how to know that we've heard a word from the Lord. And not allow even some of the people that we thought we could fully trust that are going to get on board this vision and to go with us down this wilderness path to possess the promise. A lot of times we'll get opposition internally and from those closest to us when we're getting ready to possess the promised land of our life. And we can't be distracted by it. We have to know that we know that we know that God has spoken to our hearts to be able to lay hold of the promise that he has given. I think oftentimes we, we spend our, a lot of our time focusing on the problem and not on the promise. I don't know about you, but I'll, I can sit around all day long and I can talk about the problem and analyze the problem and ask for advice on how to overcome the problem or the offense or whatever it is, the struggles. And it's like, I want to have one of those parties that nobody ever wants to come to. I've never figured it out. But when I throw a pity party, I don't get that many people that show up. I don't know about you, but... I mean, it's called a pity party, and at a pity party, it's like you want everybody to kind of share uh, in the problem or the struggle point or the circumstance that you're struggling. Not that we can't vent about the problem, not that we can't talk about the circumstance that is holding us back. We need to get our perspective, but I think the problem is, is when we start throwing pity parties, and that's all that we're focusing on is the problem, the Lord would say to you, stop focusing on the problem and focus on the promise. Hallelujah. Focus on the promise. And I think that the children of Israel, as they were going through the wilderness, this was the first mistake, probably the, the, the greatest mistake that they made. They were complaining. It's like, well, when we were in Egypt, even though we were in slavery, at least our pots were full of meat. Now here we're just picking up wafers off the ground, this heavenly manna. And you know what? I need a change of diet, you know? And they're complaining, thinking this is supernatural manna for heaven coming down. I mean, literally, they don't even have to plant it. They don't even have to cultivate the ground. They're getting this food like that, but they're complaining. They're focusing on problems and circumstances, and, and they just start murmuring, and that just, God gets so frustrated. Remember growing up when the boys would whine and cry, and um, one of the leaders in our church that was involved in our kids' ministry she would always just say this, you know what, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. I mean, somebody say amen. You get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Just stop your complaining. Just be grateful that you're eating. Just be grateful you have what you have and we can spend so much time. And I think it's natural in our human nature 
is that we want to kind of lean towards that. But God is saying, you know what? Don't let the opposition from those closest to you cause you to go down this path because he wants to get you through this quickly and so that you can attain the promise. And this is an area where God is just wanting to forge out a deep trust in him. It's like, God, I don't understand this. I don't know about that. But God, I know that I can put my trust in you. I know that I can put my trust in your holy word. Hallelujah. I'm going to trust you. Number two is don't forget, great stories are filled with suspense, desperation, and supernatural events. Look at um, um, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 8. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Look, this voice is crying in the wilderness even today. Every mountain and hill shall be made low, and uneven ground shall become level. And the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry. I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, and the flower fades, and the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. The word of our God will stand forever. I've often said there's only two things that you can take with you when you die, and that's the word of God that will stand forever and relationships. But yet we put some of the least amount of emphasis on relationships in the word of God, and we'll invest our lives in everything else that we cannot take with us when we die. The word of God will stand forever. And there's a voice crying in the wilderness. There's a voice crying in your wilderness saying that my word will stand forever. Those circumstances will not continue to stand. That mountain will melt like wax, the Bible says. The grass and the flowers will fade literally at, the, at, the, at my breath when God speaks that he can melt the circumstances. He can remove the opposition in all of these different things. But the word of the Lord, which is the promise of the Lord, will stand forever. That's what we build on. That's what we stand upon, and that's what we focus on is the promise. I'll never forget my um, family was talking to my grandmother. My, she was married 50 years to a man who basically every time she walked out the door on Sunday morning to go to church, she would cuss the preachers, you know, and... Um, he just had such a deep hatred for the church and for anybody in ministry. But my grandma was just solid. She was faithful. She served God with all of her heart. And my grandpa was just this rough, tough guy that, that just had so much bitterness. And, and he was so angry so oftentimes. And many people in our family would say to my grandmother, you know, why don't you just leave? This is not worth it. I mean, he's... He's this kind of a person. How have you lived with this for 50 years? And she said, you know what? I'm just standing on a promise. I know you don't understand this, but God placed a promise in my heart from years ago that he's going to get saved before I die, and I'm just going to stand on that. Yep, it's been like a wilderness. It's been difficult. It's been hard. But my grandmother just stood on that promise. And my grandpa contracted cancer. One Sunday evening, she, my grandmother invited him to church to be prayed for, and she said, what do you have to lose? You know, you've got cancer. There's no cure for this. And he came to church, and at the end of the service in this little country church in Prescott where I grew up, the pastor 
uh, basically looked at my grandfather sitting in the back and he said, Ed, it's time. Come on down here right now. It's time. And he comes down, gives his heart to Christ. He's baptized in water. He would sit there. He was like completely transformed and changed. Man, every time you would talk about spiritual things, he would just begin to cry. I mean, the Lord just completely broke him. And then we learned the story about his life while he was always so angry at the church that he literally grew up in a church. The pastor ran off with the secretary. It was a devastating experience. And he thought, I'll never trust the church. I'll never trust preachers. And I'll never trust God. And he just completely ran from God from that point on for the next 50 plus years in his life. And God completely delivered, saved him, touched him. And my grandmother was sitting there. I remember at the funeral just smiling, saying, I told you so. The word of the Lord stands forever. I told you, the word of the Lord stands forever. And witnessing these promises like this, we think that God should be on our timetable. But God is not on our timetable. I remember when we came and looked at this building when it was the Scottsdale Bead Shop. Some of you would remember that. And Bridget and I are frantically going around and looking at different locations and buildings, and we're being told by our broker, it's, you know, this is some of the most expensive real estate in, in the state, in this fashion square area, in this arts district, and it's just going to be difficult. I mean, we just heard all of the negative, but yet in my heart, I just knew that God is calling us to be in the marketplace in this area. And I remember we came and we looked at this building, and I, and I walked in. And I really felt like God speak to me. I just, it's one of those occasions where I just started getting vision. It's like, yeah, we can knock those walls out there and extend. This used to be a courtyard right there in this area where you're sitting was an open outside courtyard. And I thought we can blow those three walls out and extend the wall out here. And my heart was filled with vision. I got a schematic of the church. And I went home that night and after Bridget went to sleep, I couldn't go to sleep. It was like Christmas Eve. I just... I couldn't wait, you know, I'm thinking, this is the place, and I, I feel like God was just filling my heart with vision for this building and this location. I was so excited, and, and looking that, we went down to the city to get the approval uh, from a man named Dan Simer, and he said, look, we want to buy this building, we want to put a church here, and he goes, well, that's not going to happen. I'm like, he just like, he burst my bubble. I felt like my vision was just kind of like starting to dissipate. I'm like, why not? He said, because there's no parking. You can't do a church. There's no parking. So he basically just said, no, it's not going to happen. It's not possible. And I walked out just feeling so dejected by that. And I'm like, Lord, I was so excited about this. I thought, well, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to move on. And then we went and started looking at other places in north different areas. And the doors just kept shutting, and it was just so frustrating. And I kept thinking about the promise. I kept thinking, like, one of those things where it's like, I need to follow my heart. And, and I would encourage you here today that when God gives you a promise in your life, he embeds it within your heart, within your spirit. Nobody can take that away from you. Don't follow your intellect, but follow your heart. What is your heart saying to you? What is the Spirit of God saying to you? And I felt like the Spirit of God saying to me, that's still the place. I'm like, well, God, it was just a flat-out no. But how many know that when man says no, but God says yes, who's going who's gonna to win? How many know that? When God says yes, God's going to win. 
Because God is not limited by what man says or by what man does. God is not limited even by what you say or what you do. But when God ordains something, when God gives a promise, he's going to fulfill it. Even the promised land that the children of Israel were going to go possess, all the enemies there, I mean, they could have looked at it and said, you know what? Could you have given us a land where nobody is living, where there's not giants and enemies, and just give us a vacant piece of land? Why do we have to go? And God's like, I'm going to go in there, but if you're going to possess this, you're going to have to drive out the enemies, and you got to take it. So we just kept praying. And it's a long story, and that day came, and I said, Bridget, is that building, that Scottsdale Beach Shop, is it still on the market? And called John, the broker, and like, yeah, it's, it's still in the market. In fact, it's been sitting on the market for a year, and they even dropped the price, what, $100,000? $50,000, they dropped the price. And it was still, I couldn't believe it. I said, well, we need to go back. And Bridget's like, I agree. And um, if anybody knows my wife, and she's a realtor, she knows how to close the deal. I mean, <laughs> so... And we came back. I said, John, I want to look at this building again. It's still available. Let's go back to the city. And we just started praying. And I just felt that vision rising up in my heart again. I thought, I, this is the place. And they're saying no, but we, we got to go back and ask again. I went down the same guy, Dan Simer, sat down with him. I said, Dan, I, I really, we want to put a church here in this building. And, uh, and I kind of gave him the whole explanation, went back to him. And he just looked across the desk at me. And he said... I think we can make that happen. And I was stunned. I wasn't expecting that. He's like, I think we can make this happen. If you get the parking agreements and from a few places here, we couldn't count that as parking across the street, the public lot where everybody parks. And I don't know why. Just ask the city. I don't know why. But we had to get, you know, he goes, you get this and this and this. We can make this happen. And so we did. And we got the owners of a property uh, to agree to sign a parking agreement. And then we had our next battle, our next circumstance. In fact, Josh reminded me last week, I was calling him before he even moved here over a year ago. And I said, Josh, if we don't get a signature on this parking agreement from these owners, we're not going to be able to get this property in this building. And it was just, we need a miracle. Would you pray with us? And I remember, he, I think he was on the road when I called him. Just, just pray with us. And then we begin to work our way through this testing and this wilderness in order to possess the promise. And there was two owners we found out of this property that were in a lawsuit with each other. One of them gladly signed it, no problem. The other one was reneging. It's like, he didn't, we didn't know if he was going to sign it or not. He would not commit. And it was one of those things where, like, at the last hour, like, we had to have it by this date or this city would just shut the whole thing down. How many know that we got it, like, within 24 hours of the deadline? <laughs> It's called the, what they call the God of the 11th hour. Now, all of you here today and probably those in Bangkok that are listening to this message could attest and share a testimony about the God of the 11th hour that like at the last minute, it's like God came through and gave the breakthrough and fulfilled the promise of your life. Is that not true? It's just like we finally got to a point where it's like, Lord, I give up. I can't do this. And the Lord is saying, I'm so glad that you finally decided to give up because it's when you give up that God begins to step in. Amen? I mean, that's just faith. I can't do this. And what we can't do on our own is where faith steps in. Hallelujah. 
And I just got to the point, God, I can't do this. And it was the God of the 11th hour that stepped in. And, and they, I got that signature. Literally, it was a miracle, like the night before the deadline. And we were able to take the next step through the wilderness and into the journey that God gave us. And there's many more stories that, obviously, that you know about in this situation as God led us over this last year in the steps of obtaining the, build, the building permit. Many of you prayed as we could not get this building permit. It was sorry. In fact, the construction came to a halt and it was just like the place died. You know, we were waiting to get this permit because we weren't meeting certain standards and everything. These big beams in here, when people walk in, it's like, goodness sakes, and that would hold up a skyscraper. Well, we designed this so that we could put a second floor on. It would be like the next phase with more offices and classrooms. And so these big beams here is what's going to hold that second floor up. That's the vision for the future and the next phase. So we thought that was important to put in. And we were struggling with that. And God gave us a breakthrough because the word of the Lord will stand forever. Hallelujah. The word of the Lord will stand forever. When we set the date... For the first service on November 5th, I'll never forget it. We didn't have our occupancy permit yet. The city kept saying you need to do change this and do this, and that needs to be fixed. And I remember it was on November the 3rd is when we finally got the, it was a temporary occupancy permit. I mean, I was sweating. It was like the God of the 11th hour. We get the occupancy permit on Friday, and then we had the grand opening on Sunday. Now, some of the gray hair and the loss of hair that I have experienced, I have to, I'm going to say, I'm going to blame it on the wilderness, you know. I mean, seriously, I, I, that wilderness, I think it just put a few years, extra years on my life. And it was, it was praying and contending and, and interceding in this situation. And I just kept feeling in my spirit and knowing this from experience that, the greater the opposition, the greater the power of God to overcome it. But those are the signs that we must be on the right track. We must be going in the right direction through this wilderness, get to our promised land, that the enemy is trying to oppose us so much and come against us. This is a confirmation. I remember working with a group of missionaries, and we would, we would um, target new villages where the gospel had never been preached. And we were going to this one village uh, to present the gospel to people who have never heard, which is just one of the most exciting things to share with people who have never heard the name of Jesus. And everything was just going so smoothly. I wasn't used to it. Everything was just kind of falling into the place. I'm like, this is so awesome because it's usually so difficult to get there and get the job done. And, and some of them gathered together and I'm like, I'm feeling really concerned about this. There's no opposition. I'm like, why are you concerned? This is awesome. This is God. And they're like, no, usually when there's opposition, it's always a confirmation to us as leaders that we're in the will of God. We're on the right track. We're going the right direction. And there hasn't been any opposition yet. We're a little concerned. I'm like, man, this is messed up, you know. And they would share the stories about believers in China, even to this day, praying for more persecution to happen in the church knowing from church history that the greater the persecution, the more the church will grow. Because it causes people 
to get their eyes off the natural things of this one, the circumstances and the problems, and it causes people to lift up their eyes to heaven, to the word of the Lord that will stand forever, the living word, and they begin to put their trust and their faith in, in Jesus himself, and knowing that when you do that is when great miracles begin to happen. One of the great leaders of India made the statement is, why do you keep persecuting the Christians in India? And recently they they mutilated and hung a pastor. Just I just read it last week. They said, so why are you persecuting the Christians in this nation? Don't you know from church history that the more you persecute the church, the more that they will grow? And it's true. And I think we can begin to get a perspective Number three, that we all need to learn how to get past the past. Isaiah 43, 18, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. I think one of the greatest difficulties in the Christian life is to get past the past. Paul calls it leaving everything behind and pressing forward and laying hold of those things that we have in Christ Jesus. And sometimes our past will keep us from the promise. We dwell in the past. We talk about the past. We, I, I, I'm just as guilty as anybody here today that I'll bring up things that happened years ago. Not that I can't talk about it to get my perspective, but I can't live in my past. I can't change my past. I, I can't correct the mistakes that I've made in my past but I need to part with my past. There comes a point where I've got to forgive and release and let it go so I can get past my past and get into my promise. And so many believers have to be very careful not to live their lives of not seeing the fulfillment of the promise take place in their life because they're, they're not able to part with the past or get past their past. And all those promises where the word of the Lord stands forever are literally just sitting there waiting for you. And it's really your choice and it's up to you to get past the past. The Moses generation, unfortunately, couldn't get past the past. And the Bible says and at the end of Deuteronomy and Joshua 1, that God said to Moses, you're going to be able to look at it from a distance, the promised land, but you're not going to go in. Your generation's not going to go in. There was the disobedience and the idolatry, the murmuring, the complaining, but Joshua was going to take the generation that was born in the wilderness across this river, and they're going to possess the land. Because Moses and his generation could not get past the past. It's so important that we understand this. That Hebrew word possess is yarash, and it means to take possession or to seize something. You seize it. There's been stories and articles and books literally using the theme to seize your destiny. Possess it. Seize it. Because nobody's going to seize it for you. And God has no respecter of persons. He shows no favoritism that 
these promises that the Bible lays out to us and that he has given each and every believer. It's the promises for each and every believer. But God says you're going to have to seize it. You're going to have to be careful not to let the opposition, even from those closest to you, keep you from the promise. You've got to know that great stories are filled with suspense and desperation and supernatural events as we have seen over the past seven years. God supernaturally intervened. God supernaturally intervened. God supernaturally intervened to get us to the promise of this place. But here's the deal. There's many more promises surrounding us. And Josh and I have talked about this, that this is the only beginning of many supernatural events that will take place in this church as we venture out and say, you know what? I'm not just going to put my toe in the river and see if it's cold, but God's going to part this circumstance and we're going to go across and we're going to begin to possess the promises that he has given us to reach the community, city, and even the world, the promises there in Bangkok that for the church there that God has spoken to you prophetically and, and you know that it's a vision that God has put there and it just keeps burning and you keep you have this sense of urgency of what God is going to do in your life there. I say to you in the name of the Lord that his word will stand forever and God is wanting you even now to begin to seize the promises that he has for your life and for the church. We seize it, we take hold of it. I thought about when someone writes me a check or promissory note and, and I'm thinking, this is awesome, I'm gonna collect some money. You know, it's just a piece of paper basically promising that if I do a couple certain steps that I can cash it and get the money and enjoy the blessing of this promise. So when somebody writes a check, hopefully it's a good check, it's not a hot check that's gonna bounce. <laughs> We've all written a few of those. But it's a check that if we just keep it in our hand and look at it and we don't take the necessary steps, it's like you'll never possess the promise of getting the cash or the money from that check. And when you go into a bank, there's just a couple of things and you all know the story of what happens. First of all, we have to endorse the check with our name. And second of all, we have to present some you know, ID to prove that that this is who the person is this check is written to. I gotta prove who I am in terms of my identity through a driver's license, a credit card, whatever it is. But after I endorse it, and after I prove my identity, then the teller standing there just like, okay, Mr. Metcalf, this is good. And then she hands over the cash and I walk out a very happy person and I put the cash in my pocket. I'm thinking, praise God for the fulfillment of the promise. And I think it's very similar like that in the kingdom. As we can write down our promises, and I think it's important to do this, that we can write down a promise that God has given us in the church and to us personally. I feel like God is promising me this, that he's given me a vision for this. And I don't want to allow this wilderness experience or this test to get in the way. And as we're going through the wilderness, God is taking us through and trying to teach us to trust him. But we gotta remember that we're gonna endorse the check. We're gonna sign our name. This is for me. This is for this church. And I think the part that we oftentimes overlook as well is that we don't understand our identity. Do you realize that as a son of God that you're gonna inherit the same promises that Abraham inherited when when God called him out in Genesis and he's like, 
how am I going to inherit these incredible promises, Father, that you're promising me? And the Bible says, Lord took him outside and Abram, he, he looked up into the night sky and he said, try to look, look at the stars and try to count all the stars if you can, knowing it's impossible. He says, that's going to be the number of descendants that I give you. This is the promise. And it was an overwhelming promise that your descendants are going to number like the stars of the sky that you can't even count. It's endless. Paul in Galatians tells us that this same inheritance that was given to Abraham is bestowed to us the promises of his kingdom because we are a child of God. We are walking in the faith that we have put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and these endless promises. They say the Bible literally has thousands of promises that, that we could apply to our life each and every day if we would just know how to seize the promise in our situation. Our identity, not that we deserve it, it's but because we've been made a son and a daughter in the mighty kingdom of God, and already we have this same inheritance, and the Lord is saying, I want you to endorse the check. I want you to prove your identity, remind yourself of who you are, and I want you to seize it and cash it. And some of us here today need to begin to cash in on the promises that God has given you and stop living in the past and let the Lord take you through the wilderness experience, cross over the Jordan River, and let's begin to rejoice and worship like they did as they walked around the walls of Jericho and the walls came down and they took the land, they took the city and they began to possess the promise that God had given them. Hallelujah. It's not so difficult. It's not as hard as it seems, but I think that what is so hard is getting past our own issues, getting past our own insecurities, getting past our own hurts and getting past all of those things so that we can really see and understand that like an Abraham standing out there, just look at the sky, night sky and see the multitude of stars. This is the inheritance that I'm giving you and God is giving to the church here today of Jesus Christ and throughout the world, God is saying, I want you to seize the promise that is before you. It takes the childlike faith that just says, God, I believe in you. I believe what you said. I believe that your word stands forever and it does not change. If you're here this morning and you feel like maybe you're on the cusp or just on the edge of receiving a promise, but you're not quite sure, and you just feel like the wilderness seems so dry. I'm trying to hear from God. I'm trying to get through this. And it seems discouraging as you're going through the wilderness, this prophetic roadmap that that God has laid out, there are just certain things that God is just saying, I want you to just follow me, follow the cloud. When the cloud moves, I want you to move. It's representative of the power of the Holy Spirit as we are led by the Spirit of God to take the necessary steps to get into the promised land where God says that they dwelt there and he fulfilled every promise that he made to them and that their enemies could not even oppose them. And God gave him complete victory in that place. Joshua took them in and they possessed the land, but not without a few battles, not without a few scars, not without a few people that are probably limping from some of the battles and on that, but yet they went in there and they rejoiced before the Lord their God as the Father God says, I'm going to give you this land and God is going to give this church and your life and your family a land 
the Bible calls flowing with milk and honey, which symbolizes the prosperity and the goodness and the fruitfulness of the land that God has promised to each and every one of us, that he is a God who provides fruitfulness for you here today. Amen. Would you bow your hearts and your heads with me uh, this morning? If you're here today and you would just say to me as we just have our eyes closed, uh, Dana, I, first of all, I don't understand or know about this promise of Jesus Christ, and I want my heart connected to his heart so that I can begin to seize my destiny and seize the promises that God has for my life. It begins with just a first step of saying, Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. And if you're here today and you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life, would you just lift your hand very quickly and we're gonna pray a prayer corporately, yes. Anybody else, just lift your hand, amen. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life, amen. Let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, I come to you, pray that prayer. And I believe that you are the Son of God. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Forgive me. I make you the Lord of my life. You are the Lord of my promise. And I want to claim the land that you have given me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you just stand with me together? And I, as we're navigating the changes and the transition of the church, even at the moment and in our future, you know, we're, we're asking you to not just trust us, but most importantly, to trust the Lord. And knowing that his word will stand forever of what he is saying and what he is speaking. God's going to do some incredible things within this church. And it's not going to be because um, of the effort of men and women, but it's just going to be the power of the Holy Spirit when we lift up our heads and we're not distracted by the opposition in the wilderness. We're not distracted by the dry times. We're just going to continue to get through. Next Sunday, I want to speak about contending and, you know, possessing our promise. And sometimes we just have to contend. And I want to speak about that, contending in worship, contending in prayer, and contending just persistence. Jesus makes that claim that men ought to pray and not faint. Just contending. And then when God gives us those breakthroughs in our life and within the church, we, we just rejoice together knowing that this was just, I don't even know how to explain it. Some of the stories that, that we have that I haven't even shared, I look back and I'm like, I don't even know how to explain it other than that God just stepped in to the situation. He saw this frail pastor at times that just so oftentimes, I think I made this statement in our grand opening, it's like I would sometimes go before the Lord and just say, God, I'm, I'm done. I'm just, I'm just so done. And the Lord just kept saying to me, I, son, I know you're done, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. And it just kept me contending. And I, and I realized that by doing that, that we've been able to, in so many different ways, possess the promise that God has given us. But there's many more promises that God has for our life.
many more for you. I want to invite you to come to the altar and in the front here this morning. And I want to pray just kind of a corporate prayer as you come forward. And I want you to bring with you with this thought in your mind, and some of you may want to go home. You just start coming up now, that writing down the promises that, that God has given you. Maybe it's just one promise that you're still waiting for that you're, it's like, I, I haven't seen the fulfillment yet. I've been able to seize this promise, but I believe that God's going to help me seize it. And I just want to pray a prophetic prayer over you that you would begin to see the breakthrough and seize the promise that God has given you for your life, for your future, for your family, for your children. The list goes on of, of promises that, that you're standing on the promise, literally standing on it. I'll never forget one time that Bridget and I had when we transitioned and we had a piece of property that during the, the crash of the market in 2008 that we had to sell. It was just like we could lose everything. And I was standing on the promise that God is going to provide. He is my provider and God's going to give a breakthrough. Just those things. And literally, I took out a piece of paper and I wrote down the promise, which I encourage many of you to do here this morning, to maybe write it down, what that promise is that you're believing for. And I laid it on the floor in my office. I'll never forget it, this promise. And I just thought, the Lord was compelling me just begin to march around it. And I and I did. And I'm gonna have to be honest with you, I didn't do it just seven times like in the Bible when they marched around Jericho. I just kept marching around. I don't know how many times I thought, I'm just gonna make sure. I'm not gonna do it seven. I think I probably did it maybe a hundred times. And I just kept praying. And I know that seems so foolish, you know. But just remember, if you dare to do the ridiculous, God will do the impossible. And I'm just praying and believing. It's like, God, I'm, I believe this. You're going to get this promise. Lord, we need this breakthrough. It's I, I need the God of the 11th hour to show up right now. And you know, the next morning, I'm not exaggerating this. I got a call. We haven't even put this thing on the market. I got a call of the blue from this guy saying, hey, would you be willing to sell me that piece of property and this so-and-so like that? I'm like, you gotta be kidding. I haven't even listed this thing. I just, I just, I live nearby and I just, I found out you were the owner. He called me up. He goes, well, I'm willing just to give you cash for it. And it was just a miracle. And it was just a matter of seizing the destiny and seizing the promise, I think. It was just like, God, you, your word will stand forever. So let's pray together. I want you just to lift up your hands with me and just say, Lord, we trust you here this morning. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for those who have come forward here today. Father, I declare in the name of the Lord, I declare in the name of Jesus that your word will stand forever, that you are the God of promise. Lord, I declare in Jesus' name, fulfillment of every promise that is presented here in this altar today. God, I pray for supernatural breakthroughs. God, I pray for supernatural circumstances. God, I lift up every individual here. And God, I pray that we would possess the land in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that everyone would just seize their destiny
destiny. And Lord, that we would possess the promises of Almighty God. And Lord, that we would give testimony that, Lord, that you intervene supernaturally. And Father, I prophesy to this church, Lord, that we will see the goodness of the Lord. We will come into our promised land. And Father, we will live and walk and the enemy will have no place. And Father God, we will take victory in Jesus' name in every circumstance. Father, we declare it in the name of the Lord and we give you glory and praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody would say amen and let's applaud the Lord and say, God, we believe it, we receive it.